Welcome to Snazzy Stories. Put some pepper in thy step and lend an ear to the terrific tales of the past. Welcome to Snazzy Stories. If you would like to support my new journey of storytelling and to keep the stories alive, please go to patreon.com slash snazzystories and donate to my cause. Now today's story is going to focus on the Mormon pioneers when they actually were settling Utah and a few years after that. So they got here in 1847, but we're going to kind of start focusing on the 1850s and 1860s and their relationships with the non-Mormons who were actually starting to move west. So the west had opened up an entirely new world for the American people, specifically people who had been so horribly persecuted. The LDS people viewed the west as a safe haven from the persecution that they had endured and a sanctuary to build their Mormon kingdom, a place out of the U.S. government's grasp. Brigham Young had led his people west with high hopes of establishing their Zion. And in 1847, Brother Brigham led the first pioneer party into the Salt Lake Valley and then continued with thousands of other saints looking for safety from the outside world. And thus, the Utah Territory was established. However, the Mormon people were not the only people looking for new life in the West. Westward expansion was growing in the minds of thousands of Americans, Mormon and non-Mormon alike. When minerals were found in Utah, the mining industry began to boom and brought non-Mormons, or as Mormons called them, Gentiles, into Brigham's Mormon kingdom. He was worried that his people would stray from their religious views with the influence of others flocking into the region. In 1856 to 1857, Brigham Young and many of his apostles were sent to begin the Mormon Reformation. Brigham Young and his apostles were sent to give speeches to the people and inspire them to refocus their efforts on spiritual matters. The renewed zealous attitude of the saints just added to the problem between the LDS and the non-LDS. All across the Utah Territory, fiery speeches were being given to his congregations in Fillmore, Brigham Young said to his audience that he, quote, would no longer dwell among a people filled with contention, covetousness, pride, and iniquity, unquote. Warning, they would be, quote, forever separated from the righteous, unquote. Many residents in Fillmore agreed to be rebaptized. This new attitude of spiritual refocus actually drove five families out of the county. They were ended up leaving Fillmore and moving to California for a more tolerant environment. Now Brigham, along with his people, remembered how non-Mormons had treated them in the past and were not anxious to relive those nightmares. But more and more non-Mormons were making their way to Utah, establishing businesses, trying to become a part of the communities and build a new successful life for themselves. But the fearful attitude of Brigham Young and the members allowed for pledging to and Brigham himself advocating for a boycott of non-Mormon businesses. Now this is by 1866. So you have this fear that has kind of been, that has been there for a long time. Non-Mormons and Mormons alike fear each other. They don't like each other for many different reasons, but the fact is, is they're having a hard time living with each other. And then when the Mormons get to Utah, they feel like they are going to be left alone. And then they begin this spiritual reformation earlier on. And that just adds to the problems, the attitudes that the LDS people have towards non-LDS people. 
Now, within a couple of years of the boycotts, many merchants were forced out through bankruptcy and left the territory or moved to a town of Corinne, which I will come back to in a few minutes. The ability to drive out the non-Mormons and keep Utah towns run by Mormons was the goal, but also the ability for the Mormons to be self-sustaining, relying only on the people of their own religion. However, the expansion of the West through the mining industry and the railroad Mormons failed to realize that the non-Mormon people and their businesses were a part of their community and their future. The negative treatment of the non-Mormon businesses continued and became exceptionally worse. Two non-Mormon men were murdered. The attackers were actually never caught. And after this incident, the non-Mormon merchants began walking the streets in pairs in the evenings and carried guns to protect themselves. Unfortunately, violence continued to occur when two unarmed people, a rancher and a jeweler, were attacked and beaten severely. The jeweler was attacked again. This time, his attacker used brass knuckles. The attitude and behavior that could have been done by the Mormon people to scare them out of their towns is a bit ironic considering people's harassment of the Mormons to get them to leave their cities and towns. It's actually very disconcerting what fear does to human beings. Eventually, the non-Mormon business owners petitioned Brigham Young to condemn the persecution of non-Mormons and also pleaded for Brigham to step in and ask his people to pay on outstanding accounts in their businesses by his own church members. President Brigham Young refused and told them to, quote, wait things out, unquote. When ZCMI opened in Salt Lake City, a store run by Mormons, their sign above the door read, Holiness to the Lord, which just added fuel to the fire because all knew that LDS businesses were for LDS people only. However, some LDS people still supported and shopped at the non-LDS businesses. Loyal customers would go through the back door and purchase items in secret. Many Gentiles had been pushed out of dominant Mormon communities and began their own communities. The mostly non-Mormon town of Corinne that was mentioned before was one, uh, one such city. Corinne was independent of the Mormon culture. It was eight miles from Brigham City, and the Mormons called it, quote, city of the ungodly, unquote, probably due to its gambling halls and soiled doves, a.k.a. prostitutes. Corinne was inhabited by business owners fleeing Brigham Young's boycotts in 1866. The ungodly town of Corinne grew rapidly in size and diversity. It grew into a society of more than 500 structures and businesses with 1,500 settlers with Episcopalian, Methodist, and Protestant churches, free public school, and a newspaper. Corinne boomed because of its location and railroad traffic. However, in the 1880s, the Utah Northern Railroad took on the northern freight traffic, and this booming railroad urban society went from boom to bust. Not all non-Mormons were driven from the Mormon-dominated cities. Many did wait it out, as Brigham Young advised, but also more and more Gentiles were entering the Utah Territory, and the Mormon stronghold would not last forever. The LDS Church could not continue its prejudiced behavior on all non-Mormon businesses with the railroad bringing so many merchants and their shops west. By 1870, the growth of the Utah Territory spurred the Mormon people to accept non-Mormon businesses into their communities. However, it was not until after Brigham Young had died in 1877 that the Mormon grip on the cities loosened a little. 
John Taylor, who became the next LDS prophet, continued the boycotts, but it wasn't long till he knew that his people could not continue that behavior in their communities. The mining industry continued to boom and bring more Gentiles into Utah. And on the political and social front, the Mormon way of life would come under attack. In 1882, an anti-polygamy law was passed, the Edmonds Act, which wasn't highly enforced. But in 1887, the Edmonds-Tucker Act was passed, which did enforce stricter punishments for anyone practicing polygamy. This sent many LDS people into hiding because they were guilty of practicing polygamy. The non-Mormon neighbors began helping hunt down Mormon polygamists for a reward of $20 for each polygamist found. The Mormon people had always mistrusted the non-Mormon neighbors. That was one reason for the business boycotts to to begin with. But new anti-polygamy laws and policies heightened the level of distrust on both sides. The grip the Mormons had over the communities began to loosen when the social pressures on their lifestyle landed on the Mormon people's doorstep. Building life in the West had its challenges for all cities and towns in Utah. Zion could no longer be a community only for Mormons. Brigham Young could not control pioneers moving west, or even when they arrived, but it was not for lack of trying. For the Mormon people in the Utah Territory, they had to learn how to be a part of America, even though they had tried to leave America and its people behind. When the LDS people had to face neighbors, not of their religion, they had to work through prejudice attitudes and come to an understanding on both sides that they all are a part of the same community, and it can be successful with people from all backgrounds. Come back again for another story on Snazzy Stories, where everyone has a story.